welcome to the Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today joining me is Fraser Wilson. Welcome, nice. Fraser. Thank Good you debut. very much, Johnny. Yes, I'm nervous. Debut nerves are there. You'll be fine, big man. You'll be fine. I say <laughs> big man because I think Fraser, he's an ex-goalie. He's going to be, you're actually smaller than me. Aye. Width and height. Smaller than average man, aye. <laughs> 5'11", if you're interested, Jonathan. Listen, Andy Gorham was 5'11", and we know he was pretty damn special, so it doesn't... His hands were about 5'11", width as well, (laughs) Right, what are we going to talk about today, Fraser? Well, Lawrence Shanklin, he's been linked with both Celtic and Rangers in the papers today. We'll be assessing whether or not the strike star from the Championship could make the step up to the Premiership. We're going to look at Hibs against Celtic and the refereeing performance... In that game, Moritz Bauer says Celtic should have had two penalties. Do we agree? And finally, we're going to have a look at Derek McInnes and the pressure he is now facing at Pataudry. Fraser, we're going to start with Lawrence Shanklin. There's a story today in the Daily Record saying that Celtic and Rangers um, were in attendance of his uh, performance against Morton. It was 6-0 for Dundee United in that game with the striker grabbing a hat-trick. That's now 13 goals in seven championship games. It's... 15 goals overall for the season. How good is Lawrence Shankland? Well, I think his goals tally tells you that one. <laughs> now, last season, it was all about Lawrence Shankland versus Stephen Dobie. If you'd asked me about Stephen Dobie, I'd maybe be able to go into a bit more depth. But Lawrence Shankland, look, he's is, is come from Queen's Park. Didn't quite work out from Aberdeen. Goes to air and scores an average of what? More than a goal every two games. What was his tally last season again? You're talking 34. 50, 34. And he's uh, in 15 already this season. If that's not already. a player bang on form, then I don't know what is. So I'm going to go back and what I actually argued uh, when it came to the Scotland question and uh, say a player, a striker scoring that many goals cannot be ignored. And taking the same sort of argument, then I think quite rightly Celtic Rangers are looking at him. But why not? Why not? The boy obviously is good in there, is is clinical on the ground. Well, listen, just to go into that, that's something I did not know about Lawrence Shankland. He's six foot one. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's actually a big unit. I think of him as a poacher, but but he's really not. He's more of an all rounder. Average in terms of height, definitely he's got a bit of strength in there. And uh, look, it's not quite the same as when Celtic signed Lee Griffiths. But at the end of the day, he's a goal scorer. He's a natural goal scorer. And um, why why not take a chance on a player like that when you're talking? I mean, how much would it would it really? Well, cost? that's that's a big question because Dundee United fans on Twitter haven't been too happy at a piece that I've done today okay. looking at Lawrence Shanklin and the potential for this move. Um, they're saying, you know, there's absolutely no way that this new owner, Mark Ogren, who has come into the club to get them up uh, promoted into the Premiership, that's his number one focus. There's no way he's going to let the guy that's firing them into the position where they can make that happen in January. But United, they're already, I think, two points clear at air. I think air are several points away from the nearest competitor. It does look like United, if they continue in this current trajectory, could be seven, eight, nine points out in front by January, would then be, there'd be a temptation to say, well, if we get a million quid in for him, you know? That'd be more reason to keep hold of him, surely. Well... By that point, they'd be thinking, they'd be have one eye in the Premiership, which is a very dangerous game, the Championship, which is a, a dog-eat-dog um, division. Uh, no, I think if it got to that stage, I think either way, Dundee United will be digging their heels in to keep hold of him. Um United aren't going to run away with that championship. We'll say that now. It's quite a fiercely competitive division. Um, if they did get six, nine points ahead, as I said, 
they'll need Lawrence Shanklin to see that through. Air United proved it last season. They, come but Chris, they fell away, didn't they? Yeah. But, and it coincided with his injury. Um, when Lawrence Shanklin missed a, a large part of uh, January, February, was it? And uh, they just went a horror run, including getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup by Auchin like Talbot. And uh, it just seemed to all coincide with Lawrence Shanklin. He is that much of a talisman. Well, you look at Celtic and Rangers. Celtic have... Odson Edward, who's arguably a 15, 20 million pound player. Behind him is Lee Griffiths, who's been there, done it for years. We know he's, he's had his injury problems, but he's a guy that will find the back of the net no matter what, what level he's playing at. Bayo looks like he's going to be a good player after a slow start. He's showing signs. Mm-hmm. Then at Ibrox, you've got Morelos, you've got Defoe. I mean, would this be one of these classic old firm clubs coming in, taking a player and then putting them in cold storage just in case they need them? Yes. I mean, would he get a game? Um, you're talking about a Scott Allen type situation aye here. aye exactly of course there's always that danger and uh, aye a massive part of me thinks yes but if Lawrence Shankland was to continue this Scott I mean he would get a chance and if he took it if he took that chance literally if a chance came of begging when he, he got his chance on the park then how, how could a, a Neil Lennon or a Stephen Gerrard ignore that look it's hypothetical isn't it um, do I think he'll end up a Rangers or Celtic no but are they right to be looking at them, which I think was your original question? Absolutely. And final question on this, Fraser. What's the biggest mistake here not taking a punt on him in the summer when United went out and got him? No. For who? For either of the old firm clubs. No. Or, or, or no. Hearts or Hibs. No, or, no. no. It, it's, it it's not proven outside the championship, remember. It, it's not proven at top level. Aberdeen had him for a bit, and I think it was more uh, but a bit of homesickness, was it? It didn't quite work out for him up the road. Um... No, no, he's still got a lot to prove. All right, he's banging in the goals in the Championship and if he could get him for a snip, of course, it'd be worth it a go. But he's got it all to prove at the top level in Scotland. Okay, well, we're going to move on. I don't think Dundee United fans will be happy with that assessment. You can get get Fraser on Twitter at... (laughs) Dunheimer78. Get on there and tell him what you think, Terrors. Well, we're going to move on now to some comments made by Moritz Bauer. Bauer? Bauer? Bauer, yes. Celtic's new right back on loan from Stoke City. Um, he said that the, the club were robbed of two penalties in their 1-1 draw at Easter Road. It was a controversial refereeing performance all round, Fraser. Uh, wasn't it a comfortable day for Mr Clancy? It certainly was not. Now, let's start, first of all, with a Hibs incident. We'll come on to the Celtic uh-huh. ones. Oliver, Olivier and Cham, he pushes yes. Hibs player three times. I think it was uh, Josh Vela. Yes, it was. Three times. Was that, for you, a red card? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, poor Vela's done absolutely nothing in this incident and ended up with the same punishment, a yellow card, which is ridiculous. Yeah, particularly the last push. I mean, it's right in Vela's face. Somebody does that to me in the park, I'm reacting. So good on Vela for not doing anything and reacting. It's, it's man it's syndrome, right, isn't it? Oh, it's right <laughs> under the chin. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's as clear a slap in the face as you'll get. So, aye, very lucky boy, Lavena Charm. So what sort of criteria would that be under? Violent conduct? Uh, aye, you just simply can't raise your hands, can you? So that well, does come under violent conduct. I'm it sure. would have to come under the brutality, etc., etc., etc. Does not come under violent conduct? Sorry, you're the man with the rule book, well, Johnny. Well, listen, it's one of those ones where it would be... Um, if you if he struck him on the face, then immediately it's a red card. Well, that is, I think when he but when it was the, slowed down the sports scene last night, it definitely catches him on the face. So, but was it what, with a finger or something? A slight a, a part a, of the action. Two and a half fingers. Does it matter? You know what? <laughs> I think it was definitely there or thereabouts for yeah. a red card. Ah. It was one of those ones where if he'd been given a yellow, which he which he was, then you say to yourself, he's a lucky boy. If he gets a red, you say. 
probably just about deserves it. But Aye. Uh, I'll go along with that, so he's a lucky boy. Aye, fair, fair enough. Okay, the two penalties, uh, or the, the two penalty incidents, because neither yeah. of them were given. First one, Lewis Stevenson dives in to um, block a cross penalty. Yes. Yeah. Stone water, wasn't it? Absolutely fuming with Lewis Stevenson. Why Even if I was a Hibs, if I was a Hibs player manager, and knowing he got away with it, I would still be fuming. What exactly? What is he doing there? The ball is going nowhere. Is um, what's our jockeying out of play? And he decides to dive in, and he does catch Ryan Christie. Um, you see in the replay, catches him, and yeah, I'm afraid that's a foul. That's a foul anywhere in the park, so it's without doubt a penalty. Silliness from Lewis Stevenson, a very lucky boy. The second penalty, Barr was involved in it himself. Yeah. For me, that one is not a penalty because he is not impeded as he has the ability to get the ball in. He swings the ball in before he's touched and then he's touched after. And the contact for me is minimal and the contact is... Daryl Horgan? Daryl Horgan, yeah. I wouldn't say it was minimal contact. Again, it's stupid and rash. Not as stupid because he doesn't dive in. He's sort of already committed. He's going for the block Uh and and he follows through, but the ball's already gone. Yeah, look, you're right in that. I still think it's, oh, you think it's a penalty? borderline. It's a, I watched it last night and I didn't really come to a conclusion because I was so convinced the first one was a penalty. That one, oh, seen them given. Um, he bringes in, the ball has gone. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? I, th- I think it does. Bringe? Bring, ah, what's that? Where's that? What's that mean? I've done three swords. I think. <laughs> It steps in with force. Steams in. Doesn't quite steam in, but he goes in with force, quite right to block it. But he's he's late in that regard. The ball's away. I think 60 40 penalty, I do. I think it's a penalty again. So, by that rationale, we both believe the first one's a penalty. You believe the second one's a penalty. 75% there on the penalties. So, does that mean that Neil Lennon was a little bit unlucky to leave Easter Road with only one point? I'd say so, but. So a lot more happens in the, the game than just that. I think in the balance of play, Hibs for sheer effort and bounce-back ability from that horrid um, Derby defeat the week before, I think they deserved the point. Um, and was quite impressed with Glenn Middleton when he's uh, watching them play play for the start and one for Rangers. I, I, I quite enjoyed Hibs' performance, Johnny. Yeah, Glenn Middleton's a very, very talented young player. I think he'll be a Scotland player in the years to come he just needs to add a few tricks to his game because while he's very direct and very quick mm-hmm. and can give you a real out ball I think going up against that fabled low lying defence that Rangers came up against all last season he struggles a bit he's not the most uh, tricky player in mm-hmm. terms of uh, going round players if he adds that to his game he'll be dynamite um, because he's, he's lightning a couple of flashes in the second half I thought um, I, it looked like he had quick feet and they, like you said direct running right at the Celtic defence uh, cutting inside a couple of times I, I like his what is he he's only 20 still isn't he I think um, he's younger than that I think he might be 19 still but 19 uh, he's, 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 he's definitely young and, and listen this is a guy that went uh, up against Spartak Moscow for Rangers Europa League tie away from home and performed really really well he's got a good game in him that's for mm. sure he just needs to find that consistency with a bit of time but I think Hibs are probably probably the right club for him. He's he's, he's in good so hands I there. I thought it was a good deal for everyone, yeah. Talking of good hands and the hands he's in, Paul Heckenbottom right. uh, had a bit of a mad moment. Mm-hmm. It's not, not the first time that he's had a, a, a slight... Um, what, how, how can we put this politely? Uh, he's had a moment where he would probably reflect on it and say he'd probably rather not have, uh, have lost the plot in, in that manner. Um, mm. Seems like a passionate guy. Seems like a guy that... That, that really, really feels every kick. Aye, a lot of those in Scottish football, wasn't there? Um, 
I don't know what to make of that bottle incident. Uh, did he know? Did he, I, don't I don't think, think he meant. I don't think he meant to kick it. No. But was it not more for the finger in the face of the fourth official? That's what yeah. he got the red card for. He did go a bit over the top. Red miss come down. I think he admitted it himself afterwards. Didn't he? he admitted yeah. himself. Uh, he said, "Hold his, hold his hands up. Hold his hands up. That's a mistake." Uh, was quite so sure his interview afterwards, where he refused to comment the two penalty incidents and just blatantly said yes, but uh, Celtic should have been down to 10 men. That's not quite explaining away the, the two penalty decisions that I think went in his favour. It's interesting because Hibbs got rid of Neil Lennon and you thought they're going to go for a calmer hand on the tiller here. Right. Someone who's going to really, really taper things down and keep it calm. And for the first few months, it seemed like that's exactly what they got. Everything uh-huh. went really well. But it's been back to that sort of Lennon-esque uh, powder keg now, isn't it, with, with, with Heck and Bottom? But you know what? Everyone that I, I know is, that's spent time with him says he's a very impressive character, very good in his tactics, knows, his, knows the game inside out, and communicates well. So perhaps sometimes we managers, and you'll know this, having played the game at a decent level, they... Uh, they just get caught up in the moment and the in the emotions of the game. Scottish football pressure caught for you. Turn anyone into a, a raving madman if uh, the pressure uh, cranks up, and it's certainly pressure time at a down and Leith. Um, well, we're talking of pressure. Mm-hmm. A man under severe pressure from the Dons fans ah. is Derek McInnes. Uh-huh. Now, Rangers were very, very, very impressive, but as as good as they were. Aberdeen were diabolical on Saturday. It was a performance bereft of any attacking quality. Uh, Defensive organisation, unusually for a Derek McInnes side, was all over the place. Mm -hmm. Where do you even begin? Where did that performance come from? Was Alan McGregor even there? Did he touch the ball? I don't think so. I've just seen highlights, Johnny. I know you watched the whole game. Um, they were on hiding to nothing to start with, okay? There was seven or eight first team players out injured, and they're important players. I mean, the spine of their team's gone. They've got a right back playing in, in central defence. Considine um, was out. Considine. With, with, what, two hours before kickoff? Yes. With a stomach that's, complaint? Yeah, so that's just like that's the, tin, the tin lid and the yeah. problems, isn't it? Um, that's not an excuse. Uh, they got hemmed in and looked like, I think you said yourself at one point, they were lacking leadership. And that was a big part of it. Um, there's only so much the manager can offer for the sidelines. He can't stop the game and ask for a timeout and um, radicalise the side. He needs people on that park to get them up the park. Uh, no, they, they were hemmed in and they were hammered. He, he kind of adopted a similar strategy to what he's done before, which is narrow back four, really deep, bring the two wingers back and almost like a back six. Mm-hmm. Then have Dean Campbell uh, and um, Lewis, Ferguson. Lewis Ferguson sitting in front just trying to dictate the flow of the game in front of them, trying to block off uh, ch- uh, passes, trying to get tackles in. But it just didn't work. And, and there was a couple of instances last night, we were just watching it on uh, sports scene. And I watched, again, I watched the whole game, but watching it on sports scene, you just pause it and you could see the entire Aberdeen team within 15 yards of each other. Mm-hmm. It was, it was <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And this was not at set pieces. This was just the way they were moving up and down the pitch together. It was yeah. the lowest of low blocks, to Aye. use that parlance that I know you're going to berate me for. Yes, they were lying very deep, Johnny, that's right. Um, now, you might say that, well, Rangers put five past them, so it was a correct strategy. 
But they offered literally nothing going mm. forward. Aye. Would Aberdeen fans rather there was a little bit more punch? And, you know, they went out swinging, of as course, it were? Oh, you've seen the reaction on Twitter and social media, absolutely. Pressure's on Derek McInnes now. Look, I, I did make the excuse for him, and it's a very valid reason yes. why they got pumped on uh, Saturday. So it was Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it looks like the legs had gone. When you're 2-0 down after, what, half an hour, then you, you're, you're deep-lying tactics have to go out the window you have to come out with a plan B and there was no plan B they just continually continually sat in front of their box and let Rangers come at them and that was just uh, opening the door for Rangers um, and creating their own problems it could have been could have been 6, 7 or 8 um, and Rangers, Rangers were ruthless I mean they had a lot of chances that they missed but at the same time the finishing was top quality you just look at Jeremy Defoe's moment aye, aye. he's given a, a difficult ball to take in the middle of the box it's bouncing the keepers on rushing and he just flicks the ball over him. But that's the kind of quality Rangers have in the top end of the pitch now. They have that in depth. It's, it's one thing having a striker like Morelos for the entire season who scores 30 goals, mm-hmm. but you can't rely on one player for 60 games. No. And that's the amount of games Rangers play. So to have Defoe there just gives you that little bit extra, that, that opportunity to switch the front two, and you've got somebody coming in who's just as sharp, mm-hmm. who's desperate for goals. They, they, could, have, they could have scored... Seven or eight. Yeah. Greg Stewart's at the post, he's missed another chance. Um, on Aberdeen's point, I think uh, Derek McInnes always liked ball carriers and his team, and uh, he lost Gary McKay, Stephen, of course, but he's still got um, now McGinn there. And uh, Ryan Hedges has looked good in flashes, but they just did not perform at Ibrox. And they're the two guys you would be looking at to get you up the park. Well, that, get that's the ball the f- in behind their, uh, the fullback. I said that in the blog. I said, I like the look of Aberdeen's team because they've got pace and power in those front areas. They've got mm-hmm. Conor McLennan, Niall McGinn. Uh, and, and Hedges mm-hmm. these are guys that can break at pace but th- there was no sense of that watching was, the game it looked like a team that was had no nothing left in the legs after a busy week had been absolutely ps- taking a blow to the guts for all the injuries had no plan B and were just had no no point to them on Saturday last thing on Aberdeen Fraser is there a sense that Derek McInnes great manager that he's been has just reached a point where there's a bit of fatigue now coming coming, coming into this. Like will, Aberdeen I... fans are looking at him and going, we're just a bit bored. We're a bit bored with you. We're a bit bored with what you've got to say. We're a bit bored with your team. It's a I, big I... argument for uh, shelf lives and managers in football. I remember a former, it's actually Air United manager telling me that. It was, uh, it was Neil Walton, his manager, Sunrar. Sorry, he got down the divisions here, but he'd won back-to-back promotions with Sunrar and took them into the, what is now the Championship. And he walked away at the end of a championship season. I remember asking them, that's three years. You're one of the most successful managers in Sunrise history. They love you down there. He said, oh, shelf life, uh, I, gave myself, I gave myself three years and I came into the job. I just feel shelf life, it, it, it's time for a change to keep things fresh. And I've, it's always stuck in my mind. And I think Dent McInnes now has had double that time. There is an argument um, for that uh, because he's had to, to rebuild the team two or three times now. Uh, having lost good players but there's also an element to be careful what you wish for because it has yeah. been Aberdeen's most consistent run season by season of being in the top six and of course four of those seasons they finished second um, who would they bring in if Derek McInnes was to leave this week That you always need to answer that question and if it's somebody you think would could possibly move Aberdeen onwards again from where they are right now then I, I suppose it would be a valid uh, question but for me I think Derek McInnes is still the man for Aberdeen. He's the safest pair of hands. He's heavily involved in the the move to the new training centre, which opens in a couple of months, and the new stadium. 
um, and has a fantastic working relationship with Stuart Milne as we all know Aberdeen are in a safe place which won't enthuse the fans saying they're in a safe place but remember where they were 10, 15 years ago yeah, and it's going to be a period of consolidation moving to that new stadium mm-hmm. because there'll be financial aspects surrounding it. There'll be just getting the players used to the new environment. There'll be benefits for the youth system. And maybe they just need to keep it on an even keel for the time being until all that's sorted out. And maybe, you know, once they get to that stadium, maybe then it'll be a time for radical, big name come in, former player, some, something like that. Someone that's going to re-energise the entire place. But for just now... You have to say that Derek McInnes, he'll keep things going. And, and listen, you'd be a fool to write him off because there's been so many instances where people have said, now, nah, you know what, this team really is coming to the end of its cycle. You remember the whole Kashina thing when he said it? And, and at the time, I, I backed Kashina. I said, absolutely think he's right. You know, you look at the players that are leaving this club, you look at the ones that are coming in and aren't as good. McInnes has kept it going for another couple of years after that. Mm-hmm. So... If he gets written off, if he had a bad has a bad result, he always seems to bounce back. Listen, no one can argue that Derek McInnes, within the context of Scottish football, is an effective organizer who knows how to win games. He's done it for years. He's not going to stop now. That's my take. Yep, absolutely. Um, turned down a couple of big jobs, hasn't he? In his time at Aberdeen, I think well, he's focused on what he what he wants to do. What are you going to say there? Well, I was going to say, you wonder if that will be a sliding moment. Sliding doors Sliding moment doors in his moment. career, just that 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 uh, decision to turn down Rangers. I was thinking earlier, it's five years since he won a bit of silverware, since he won that League Cup with Aberdeen, which is extraordinary. It doesn't quite seem that long ago. So it has still quite a lengthy spell that he's gone without success. All those finals, all those semi-finals, he really needs to win a cup. Again, you've got to put that in the context. So I, I feel like I'm, we're, we're coming on this podcast, and I'm sympathetic for Aberdeen towards Aberdeen fans, but we're defending Derek McInnes a lot, but... He came up against the best Celtic team since probably the Lisbon Lions. Yeah. You know. Um you can argue about whether or not um the Invincibles or, or, or Martin O'Neill's team were better, but regardless, the Invincibles cut a swath through Scottish football at that point. And they were the gap between them and the rest of Scottish football was much bigger than it was in Martin O'Neill's day. Mm-hmm. And and the and that is very, very difficult for Aberdeen to bridge at the time. And Aberdeen were the second force. Yeah. Going up against a, a team that, that was a huge Gulf in terms of finances, and and it was very very difficult for them. So I think it would be unfair to have, to use that against him because he did achieve a number of cup finals, but unfortunately for him, ended up against Brendan Rodgers Celtic. Yeah, it was that uh, Invincibles one, wasn't it? To uh, twenty seventeen, where the last gasp, Tom Rodgers winner, which Aberdeen were out in their legs. I don't think there was a, any chance we we're going to win that next time, but they took the lead. They missed the chance through. Was it Johnny Hayes or Kenny? But uh, Kenny McLean. Um, the cutback to put from, them, yeah. Yes, to put them back ahead. That was a big moment. They were outstanding that day at Hamden. That was the best final. anyone played against that yeah, side. And that, that, was, that would have been the one. Absolutely. Right, we're going to call it a day there. That's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us um, at the Daily Record website, www.dailyrecord.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at football underscore Scott. And if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would be much, much appreciated. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.